This is the Creeps Cast. I was literally just walking with Murphy, like, around, like, the neighborhood. So, like, I tried to, like, visit dealerships, like, when they're closed because then I don't have some idiot, like, you know, jumping down my nuts being like, Hey, you're looking for a car, bud? Let's show you some brand new 2022s. They're only $87,000. Like, I don't... (laughs) Like, fuck off. I don't need to hear it. Like, I, I know what I'm looking for. I don't need to talk to a sales rep about it. I'll come to you with what I want to buy. And so I hit up the local dealership and like, I'm just like walking around looking at all like the beaters and whatever. And I'm like, hey, did someone break into this car? Like, am I in danger being on this lot after hours with a car with shattered windows? And I get up to it. And I'm like, oh, no, whoever was working the lot on Saturday rolled down all the windows, I guess, because of, like, the heat. And when they were closing up shop, just forgot about it because all the windows were completely down. It had been pouring rain all Sunday, and it was uh, not leather seats. It was, like, fabric, so everything in there is probably completely soaked. And um, the keys were sitting in the fucking cup holder. So, like, that, the, the the one saving grace was... It's one of those cars that has like the the dealership branding all over it. So like if you were to steal it, you'd have to like get all the decals and whatever peeled off of it. You'd have to strip the VIN. You'd have to repaint it, like all that stuff. Like you wouldn't be able to get away with it. But like in my head, I'm just like, there there is nothing stopping me from getting into this car, pulling out the keys and just joyriding for like yeah hours if i really wanted to like there was nothing to stop me i understand leaving like the windows open like everyone's made that mistake before how Mm -hmm. the hell do you leave the keys in there too like does it not occur to you at any point that you didn't not only did you not lock the car or turn like let down the windows you're like you just don't think about it like that's wild. i'm assuming it was some dude's job to like ferry people to and from they're like their appointments to pick up their cars from like the like the garage or whatever like from it being like worked on right and then like i guess towards the end of the day they were like oh i'll go out and i'll move the car again and pull up all the windows or whatever when i need to and they just like forgot because it was like a really gorgeous day on saturday like we actually had a summer a summer saturday for a change we sure did not so much sunday or today where it's like i'm like if you're watching our youtube channel like you can see i've been wearing a sweater all day because it's been like legitimately like cold like yeah and it's july 4th everybody Uh, yeah but um yeah anyways that's that's when we're recording everybody welcome it's crease cast episode number one bajillion 676 um it is july 4th five o'clock p.m east or no pacific 8 p.m eastern uh we don't have any trades to break yet but We've been channeling some bad juju, so maybe by the end of the episode we'll get a, tra- a trade announced. That's right when we're about to sign off, because that usually tends to happen with us if something happens that's a little spicy. But all the teams right now, they are in Montreal for the draft. All 31 have landed. Can we talk about how dumb it is that the draft's happening on a Thursday? Yeah, what's up with what that? What the hell that's, is that? That's never happened before. Like, why is this the why are like, uh, are they just trying to give room between the draft and the first day of free agency? Because if that's I, I the guess. case, they could have just moved free agency to Thursday. I know like, it's so dumb. What? Like, who wants to watch? Like, who wants to sit down and be like, yeah, let's watch the first round 
at, at 3 p or 2 p.m. on a Thursday. It's like, well, not, people no, have jobs, man. Yeah, not only that, but also let's watch rounds two through seven on <laughs> yeah, a Friday, Friday immediately following a long weekend. So where yeah, we're definitely totally at work and are not going to be at home watching TV. Like, yeah. like, I don't know whose bright idea that was. Like, I mean, I guess it's like, okay, the draft isn't really for fans per se. Like, it's really just a business. It's a business deal that happens to have some TV uh, mm -hmm. elements added, tacked on. But like, I don't know. But I, yeah, Thursday? Really? Yeah. Yeah, so it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But like, so I mean, weird. that's... Like speaking of like we talked in the last episode about um uh the the NHL and NFTs and how they're just completely late to the party to understanding their audience. Oh, this is God. the exact same thing, you know. Like they probably got I don't even know how many untolds, hundreds of thousands of people interested in the NHL because of the uh, Colorado Tampa series. And instead of riding that high by having like a big show on Friday night or Saturday night, they, they have it on the middle of the week. Yep. I'm sure that's like a venue thing. Like maybe Montreal, like they were like, we can't have the venue on the weekend, but we can have it on the few days before. It that maybe. would be I would hope so. Cause like that's the only reasonable reason you could choose to go in that direction. Cause it's like obviously you can't be like, well, we'll wait until next week. You went and then like have a literally like two week gap in between the end of the finals mm -hmm. and the draft. Like it, well, also because the Montreal draft right was supposed to be last year or right. the year before, but they they canceled both in person drafts because of COVID. Right. So I wonder if it was just like, like look, Montreal when we get back to being in person is going to get the like the default next uh, draft uh, when we can start it. But then they were like, oh, um, this is problematic because uh, the venue's booked, uh, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got you guys the, can still host the draft, but it's just gonna have to be on like a weird day. You or you can come in on fr on Saturday, uh, but at the but you will have to uh, do the entire draft during a uh, a Coldplay concert. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Like uh, they're gonna like uh, Chris Martin's just gonna be on stage, just belting it out, and you're gonna have to try and make yourself be heard at your newest pick from uh, the. Uh, Kingston Frontenac, uh, like, mm -hmm. like in the middle of like, uh, like uh, one of those songs. Like, go for it. You can that, try. That'd be really funny. Like, actually, like they host it in like, like one of those like shitty hotel like conference rooms, where it's yeah. like, like just like a hundred and eighty people crammed into this like seventy five person room, and they're oh, all you like mean, elbowed like they used to do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they the used to do it like that. Like, room that was... coated in smoke and booze. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like I'm just trying, like it, it would be like uh God next year, like just knowing the NHL, they're going to find a way to make it worse. They're going to be like, okay, we're going to next year. We're going to host it in the metaverse or something. Crap. What? Yeah. Yeah. As Facebook is like crumbling as an organization, I'm like we're hosting it in VR. I mean, VR is cool. The, but like the, the, the metaverse aspect of it is very not like, it is very uncool. Oh but, boy. But yeah. Um, Let's get into some Canucks news because there's quite a bit. We kind of have some yeah. spillover from the last episode because obviously you got sidetracked with Hall of Fame stuff and um, the Colorado Avalanche winning the cup. So it was like, you know, didn't really want to talk about like random signings, but we are fully into the off season now and the Canucks finally have time on their side. They didn't run out this year because they are busy 
to start this year. We are, I mean, like season's been over for a couple days and there have been six or seven contracts signed four or five players that are just like officially like dead to the organization. We have a complete (laughs) overhaul of the coaching staff. Like remember last year when, or the year before when Tyler Toffoli waited six days into free agency for a contract from Vancouver and it never came. And Uh, then Jim Benning with the longest UFA negotiating window in the history of the NHL said they didn't have enough time. Yeah, uh, God, that it, you know what reminded something reminded me of that recently. I think it was, uh, it was it was in relation, I think, to a story we'll talk about later, which is the Ryan McDonough trade, where people mm-hmm. were kind of talking about how, like, all the things the the little all the ways the Lightning routinely find to get to solve their cap issues, and which made I forget who it was, but somebody tweeted about like, this makes me just believe that like NHL teams don't actually try nearly as hard to get solve cap problems as they say they do, Yeah, uh, which would fully scan. And like that, yeah, that makes total sense for what the Jim Benning era, the Jim Benning era was particularly that off season was where it, like, yeah. it makes sense that like in this league, remember when like Toronto and Carolina would be a part of three-way trades and, at that time, it was like, whoa, this is so innovative. And it's like, it's really not. No, yeah, it's you've very had simple, guys. It's not that crazy. But like, because they did it like twice in like a single season, it was like, whoa, these guys are on the brink of breaking new ground. And it was like, people are offer sheeting other guys. Like, yeah, they, like the, 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 avenues, the avenues by which teams can improve their club are just never like rarely explored. In yeah. the creative sense, it's just always what's the most straightforward way from point A to point B. There's never like a, well, if we take detour C, we can get to point D a lot faster than going through A, B, C, and D. But yeah. No, they just don't think that way because it's like, well, I have a hockey trade, Matthew Highmore for, you know, a Hobie Waker winner. That solves my immediate problem, but I don't I know don't, about the future. And I don't want to, and I don't want to, uh, uh, upset any of my other hockey buddies right yes like, yes my friend I, that i worked with uh eight years ago for two years before we were both fired can't can't upset him we're going to get we're gonna be golfing in boca raton at some point this season so we're gonna yeah. and it, i don't want that to be icy when we're in the golf cart like mm-hmm. that's yeah, how it goes and then yeah it, it is like a it's like the old boys club mentality of like look i can't look my friend i can't make my friend look stupid I can't make myself look stupid. And we all are in agreement that we can't make each other look stupid. Otherwise we get fired and there's only so many of these jobs to go around. So we're going to be as respectful as possible, but respect doesn't win you cups. And that's why cold calculated murderers like Joe Sackick and uh, Julian Brisebois have built monstrous teams through their ability to cut players when they need to at the highest price possible and that's how you got to do it. You can't be yep. attached to your players. And unfortunately, the last regime was way, very, too, very way attached. too attached. Like, remember when Botch like uh, reported that the the Canucks like under Benning got offers for like Brandon Sutter up to like like first round picks worth of like picks for Brandon Sutter, and instead of just like jumping on it and selling high. They kept him because they're like, oh, well, whatever they see in him must be something worth keeping. 
he's like just, irreplaceable. It's like, no, mm-mm, no, that's not, that's not how that works. Offload him. You should have done it. But anyway, we're not going to talk. We're not going to revisit the past, folks. Yeah, we're no, gonna, we, we're going to revisit the current and the future because that is actually exciting and not miserable. So first things first, Brock Besser signs an extension. So again, the whole running out of time thing. I did not expect a Brock Besser extension to be done uh, before that july 1st window where they had to file for club elected ar- arbitration uh just like out of pure stockholm syndrome like it would just like under the last regime there would have 900 billion percent been heading to club elected arbitration because there's no way they would have been able to source out a deal properly but this group did it uh emily Gay, pat yourself on the back because making Brock go long with a three-year deal so that the AAV could be brought down below $7 million. That is a tidy bit of business for yes. Broccoli. Um, he's a obviously an incredible producer, had a down year uh, amidst like a ton of difficulty in his personal life, like yeah, clearly going through a lot. So the fact that, you know, he's willing to take that, you know, cut in pay and i'm using air quotes because it's a cut from seven and a half million to 6.65 million over three years like it's not bad at all and i i like this for him because he strikes me as the type that's going to be like oh well for the next three years i'm going to show them why i'm worth 7.5 or more you know like that just like strikes me as the type that he is and so this is a this is one of those contracts where you know, the last regime, which I we refer to a lot on this podcast, uh, was terrible at, which was paying guys for value so that the contract was a surplus value instead of just being like a negative asset. Like Tanner Pearson, he's a really good player, solid two-way player, but the rate that they're paying for him makes it kind of just like a net net neutral. Like he's right. he is what he's paid for, but if you were able to shave that contract down to be like a $2 million deal or whatever, then you're talking serious surplus value. Now he's just okay. So this Bresser deal, damn good value. It's a surplus. You love to see it, especially when it kicks off like the draft week, it kicks off free agency. Like it basically sets the tone for what to expect from this management group. That is obviously looking to build some rapport with the fan base that has, very little faith in the organization yeah not even and not even just the fans but also the the players themselves who have talked about before how they kind of felt they've gotten left in the dark on a few too many times in the past on what's been on the goings on of the team and everything and like i'm just thinking back to again last year last the start of last season when you and i did what like five or six episodes of the show in september before the they find the the Pedersen and Hughes contracts finally got done in like the last couple of games of the preseason. Yeah. And we kind of wrote, and we wrote that off as like a, not a victory per se, but as like a, well, you know what? They didn't miss any games. Good, fine, whatever kind of deal. Yeah. But you know how much better it is that they got Brock Besser's contract done now. And we're not going to spend the next two months worrying, worrying about whether like, or not yeah. they're going to lose him for nothing. Like some team might offer sheet him for a way better price mm. or like an unmatchable a, amount. Yeah. An unmatchable amount or something like that. 
or just that he might even just get dealt entirely because they don't feel like paying the price for him. Yeah. Like that's the kind of thing that I was like, so worried about going into this. I honestly didn't factor in any, in any way that there was going to get a, a deal was going to get done before the yeah. free agency, let alone the draft. So the fact that they got this done and it is below that, that very particular, like that, um, uh, that price, that qualifying price is incredible. Like that's an incredible start to your, to your off season. And one of your biggest like headaches going into the summer, into the off season already dealt with and taken care of within a week of getting there. And like, yeah, like it, it, it brings more certainty and stability to the team. Mm -hmm. And like you've said, and like you and I have both said on the show before, like the Canucks, if you're or any really any NHL team for that matter, if you're running your team properly, guys will be willing to take a pay cut to play for you. Like if you're like they're not going to do it just because you ask them really nicely. You have to give them quantifiable, legitimate reason to want to come in and play for your organization for less money than they could make elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So if you're so if you're doing so that this is the kind of case where you can really see that kind of working in their favor, working out for them here, right? Where you've got a guy who came who a hundred percent we know for a guarantee could have gotten at least a little bit more on that contract just by taking the qualifying offer, right? Like yeah. he could have he a hundred percent could have gotten he could have more taken money. the one year and been like, you know what, I, I want to maximize my value moving forward but he didn't yep. do that he wanted to stay in vancouver because he trusts the process he likes it in the town he likes his teammates like you love to see it which is yeah. good because also like on that note just like considering where the team was at last off season where you know nate schmidt wanted out Braden holtby wanted out like so much like so that nate schmidt waved to go to winnipeg like that's just how bad a place it was to be playing in Vancouver. So to have, you know, a player being like, yeah, I'll take a shave on my AAV if it means I get to still be in Vancouver. Like, that's a good sign. It's that's a, little, a great, victory. That's a great sign. It's a great, it's a great sign, especially for a management team coming in brand new, having all of this, all of this kind of, um, not I don't, like this different, like messes to kind of juggle and figure out like, and that includes just the reg. I'm not even talking about say just like what the last regime left them. I'm talking about just the general, uh, everything that else that comes with running an NHL franchise properly and running a winning team. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, if like the fact that they've got Besser locked in here, ready to go for next season, all of a sudden you're your wing situation looks really, really like really, really good going into the year. Like even if say they don't aren't able to, you know, there's some guys we'll talk about that. Like they might be on the move before then just to kind of open up more cap space for mm -hmm. other guys to come in. But like, let's say they just go in with the group that they've got now, like save for like a couple like minor changes here and there, like all of a sudden you're looking at a group that's like, okay, you got, you got Besser still you've got Kuzmenko coming in. You've got, uh, you've still got Pearson, you've got Miller, you've got all of these other guys. Like you've got a decent looking, your wing situation looks really, really good for what you have. And yeah, now you have a little bit of extra cap space to work with because you managed to like get that contract done in under the amount you were anticipating coming in at. So that's a good start. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a positive to be getting a deal like this out of the way first because how much did we chastise the organization for, you know, acquiring Oliver Ekman Larson and signing Connor Garland before they had Hughes and Pedersen signed. God. Like, yes. Like the timing wasn't good because that left 
the team with even less negotiating power for two of the most important contracts they needed to sign. And yep. I've talked about it all season, like that Elias Pettersson bridge is just going to age terribly. Like if they had, if they had just not traded Oliver I mean, Ekman Larson at the time, or for for Ekman Larson or Garland, that left them with you know twenty million dollars to sign two kids to long term deals, and probably would have been a lot cheaper than what you know one of them's going to be in a couple of years if he keeps playing at his current pace. He's going yeah. to be like a thirteen million dollar player when they could have had him for nine years at you know 10 or whatever yeah. it is which would have been a bargain by the time this the deal was done so god, god yeah like i was thinking today like i was looking at some of like i've been looking at some of just the old numbers today like going through cap friendly on certain things like uh, like the like the luongo cap recapture finally came off is finally coming off the books now like uh it's it's officially out of the way it, and it I, was just replaced with uh, Brandon Holpe's buyout and uh, uh, Halak's bonus overage, which whoopsie. Which again, neither which neither of which are this management group's fault. That's not anything. No, they can it's not. Do. Yeah, it's not theirs. But it's, it's still the last. But it's just kind of funny. Like, but then you, yeah. But then you just go and look at like. By the way, why did they give this penalty again? And then you realize the cap, the contract he signed at the time was legal. like eight years. Well, it, yeah, totally legal for starters, which it pisses me off to no end. But also, it's only for like five and a half million dollars a year. Like that was the yeah, it was like hit. such a bargain. It's like Jesus huh? Christ, you had an a Hall of Fame goaltender on your roster, locked in for I think what would have been had he finished the entire contract, twelve years at five and a half million dollars. Like just insanity that they it's a could, pretty like, good deal, I guess. Yeah, just insanity. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh man, like if you could have that opportunity again, you'd take it in a heartbeat, right? With any mm -hmm. guy. And yeah, like, and the other thing that we also, that also kind of gets glossed over that when it comes to like not signing the guy right away with Pedersen and Hughes last year is also like, because you don't know what, what number they're going to, that final number is going to be for sure. You have to leave that money available regardless of what you need to get done in the off season. Right. So mm -hmm. even if Besser, like if Besser didn't get signed now, they'd have to go into the off season preparing to have at least seven, at least million seven and a half million. Yeah. Yeah. Awaiting and they, that they can't use just in yeah. case. And which would have been a huge issue for getting any sort of contract done. Because now, now that you have that money already guaranteed squared away, you have a lot more money of like, okay, now we know exactly what we have in the in, left in the in the pot to play with here before mm -hmm. we when we get into the free to free agency and what we try and do there yeah um all right but that wasn't the only signing on july 1st which was no. kind of crazy because on top of besser they signed jack rathbone on top of a bunch of guys for their ahl depth which we kind of glossed over in our last episode so we don't really get into it but jack rathbone was kind of the other major deal that was signed by uh patrick alvin uh, two-year one-way contract, which tells you a lot because usually a one-way contract is sign or code for we think you're gonna probably be in the NHL for the most of this contract. Uh, even if you don't, we believe in you enough to give you a one-way deal, so you're making your full uh, NHL league minimum salary, uh, no matter where you play it, because we believe that you're going to be in the show no matter what. Uh can kind of like between Be the Rathbone contract and Besser, like you kind of get an idea for what they're going to be looking to do uh, in the off season too, like who they're going to be after. It's probably going to be replacements for 
Brad Hunt. It's going to be replacements for maybe one of Matthew Highmore, Yuho Lamico, like cheap guys. Like it's not going to be like anything crazy. Uh, they're probably not going to be going big, big game hunting uh, for defense unless they manage to trade Myers or OEL. But it's like you kind of get like the idea, like the the shape is crystallizing on this defense group, which is exciting because how many years was it just like, well, here's a bunch of players. We'll see what happens at training camp. We don't oh. know where any of them are going to be, but we've got Pullman, we've got Burroughs, we've got Shen, we've got Hamannick maybe, we've got Jordy Ben, we've got all these guys, not a single one of them was like a defining role. Yeah, yeah. Just- and, to, and to be fair, like those were their good years of doing that. Where yeah, they're yeah. like kind of like, okay, you're like a little bit like, all right, they're getting a bunch of lottery tickets. Maybe one will hit the yeah. jackpot. You might maybe. work out. Whereas before it was like, what god what was it it was just like here we're gonna trot out um oh man who here's was michael it? del zotto with um, michael del zotto Spisa, and then lucas Spisa is the big one and then there. this this like the seventh best defenseman was like like literally 21 year old ashton sautner who was in his like first year yeah. of the ahl uh, one, like that was the depth plan one game of philip holm like <laughs> just uh just a, a, a just a hodgepodge of great of like legendary like guys who Philip Larson that was yeah. a fun one that was a fun that was year. a great year for like the 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 year of just some dudes yeah or that of some that guy meme, that meme I always see like pop up where it's like some dudes will just sit around naming hockey players yeah. and have the best time like that's kind of <laughs> yeah. what the Canucks were for their defense for like the, like at least every year before Quinn Hughes and after Kevin Bieksa. <laughs> that's our show. That's basically the whole premise of this show is like, yeah. Remember. Naming guys that like 70% of people that's, never heard of. Yeah. Oh, hey. What's Alex a Madison Ber- Bowie? Yeah. Ha- remember Alex Burmistroff? Like when, when he retired the second he was cut from camp. <laughs> that was a, okay. That Yeah. That was funny as hell. Like that, I mean, that was like, just like, oh, like, I can't make this garbage team. Well, fuck. I, I, I must be washed. Like, I think he had like one goal in like the first two games. Didn't like, but then didn't like that he was getting like no minutes because he wasn't yeah. that good and it was and he was like how dare you i'm the best player <laughs> like yeah. he big timed them a little bit it's like okay settle down Alex, settle down by you you weren't even good in winnipeg like just yeah relax. just uh ju- yeah there are some there's some hilarious like going like names going back there i'd love to do i'd love to do some videos on like remember just this canuck, this obscure canuck that has like the weirdest backstory ever like like Peter Nedved guy who got like, who was really good for like one year and then forced his way out to St. Louis on an offer sheet. And then they got basically, well, you know, if you're doing like videos, you have to do with like recent people. Cause people like that are young, don't give a shit about Peter Nedved anymore, you know? But do they not give a shit enough because nobody talks about it? Like it's one of those, Oh, this would actually be really interesting if people actually like, knew about uh, it like you would be kind of into this it would be interesting if like the canucks had won anything in their history you know That's if true. if peter nedved like leaving caused them like was directly the cause of them winning the cup or losing the cup you'd care but because it's just like a history of like failure it's like oh it's i will another guy i i will see your um 
your history of the Canucks theory with uh, and raise it by one history of the Seattle Mariners documentary, which is literally about the one team in the MLB that's never made a World Series. And it's fascinating because they're because they've literally just kind of just been there throughout the entire history of their oh, lives. Yeah. They've never they've had like stars walk in here and there. But then most of it is just about here's this really weird. Here's this really weird story about a guy who tried to like cut a baseball in half with a thumbtack on the pitch and totally got caught for it because it's obvious like yeah that's, that, that obvious. seems pretty damn obvious to me yeah and he ended up becoming like a great pitching coach like that was like the kind of thing <laughs> that's the story that's like there's some hilarious stories in there from that that i would oh, again yeah. i think the Canucks i believe you i believe you've su- suggested that to me before so i'll have to check it out yeah sometime um it's hilarious um, but we don't have time to go into that. No, we don't. Uh, so on top of the players that were signed, there were a few people that were uh, listed as not returning to the Canucks. These are all speaking of just some guys. Uh, so Nick Patan, who was good in Abbotsford, fine in the NHL. He's he's obviously gone. He's one of those quad A talents. You know, he's always going to light up the AHL whenever he's there. But like NHL, like he's just not not quite there like he's just not he's just like too small or doesn't quite have the split speed or whatever um ashton sautner who was like you know he was signed like in 2013 like by gillis no he's been around forever sorry who guillaume breezebois no ashton sautner or ashton that would actually make sense because guillaume breezebois is like has been in the ahl like since like his second year so it feels like he's been around forever, but he was drafted like seven years ago or something. But it feels like he's been around for like a decade. Yeah. Ashton's meanwhile, Ashton Sautner actually has like, literally a decade. Uh, he's just been in the system because he was signed and then didn't debut in the HL till like two years after. And then he like played out a like he had like 17 games in the NHL one year and then that was it. Um, so yeah, he's not coming back because he's obviously aged out of the system. They're making space for all these uh, Swedish and other players that they're signing uh, for free out of other leagues. Uh, and then sadly, Brad Hunt, local boy from Maple Ridge, Brad Hunt, not returning. Well, he's not technically not returning. He's just like exploring his options, which is code for, yeah, see ya. Which yeah. is weird because like how much like was talked about like how Brad Hunt is really in good with Bruce Boudreaux. You know, yeah. it's like it's like if you're Brad Hunt, wouldn't you want to stick around in the organization because you'd have a, a leg up on pretty much anyone else that comes into the team? Yeah, I wonder if he just sees the writing on the wall a little bit like there's like it's a case of like, well, they're already so jammed in the middle of like in like when it comes to the contracts they already have. Especially sure. on that right side where there's like a bunch of guys who you are pretty sure will be back whether or not that's the right call to make. Where it's like, like, okay, Pullman, I don't think they're like, we'll talk about it later, but Pullman's probably going to be here. Myers might be here. Like, there's a lot of guys still there that, you know, there's already basically a set six going into the year. And that's mm-hmm. without including guys like uh, Kyle like, Burroughs into the Or mix. Brady Keeper or whoever or else is going to show up at camp. Yeah, so it's like kind yeah. of like, it's definitely like a, maybe also too like the organization was like look brad you can explore your options we're not exactly keen on re-signing you because bruce boudreau will play you as much as he can but we want jack rathbone to get reps in the nhl like yeah. it, it could literally come down to something like that where they're just like we can't have bruce boudreau having his guy 
in the NHL right now because like we need to see what we've got in this Rathbone kid. Yeah. So you need to limit as many op and as many like excuses or veteran op coach to take the veteran approach instead of what they want to do, which is to clearly go younger. And that's also kind of what their offseason moves like seem to be right now, too, is like like between Archdeep Baines, uh Linus or um Niels Oman or uh Linus Carlson, like there's just like a bunch of oh and Philip uh Johansson, like they're basically going for all these kids that are like 23 or under because they're like we're 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 shifting the age curve down because we need some guys to come up as our core develops. And so like Nick Patan, Brad Hunt, like they just don't fit or Ashton Sautner, they just don't fit the age gap anymore. So it's like it's reasonable for them to be like, look, these guys are dime a dozen. You can get them on waivers any day of the year. You can get a Brad Richardson for free midway through the season. No problem. And they won't hurt you when you pick them up. So we we don't we can't afford the contract slot on these guys anymore, which fair enough. Yeah, it. It'd be nice to see them in like Abbotsford on an AHL deal or something. If you could, keep yeah, them, if you like, could, or if they were willing to sign it, but like, that's probably just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. And like, again, like we've with, with Rutherford in particular, his history with the penguins was straight up built on how well they did at bringing in guys who you'd never heard of in your life to play mm-hmm. with Sidney Crosby and suddenly become 30 goal scorers like Brian yeah. Rust and Connor Sheary. And like those guys, like the, the Mark Donks and Buzz Flibbits, as they as everyone puts it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of thing that they're gonna go for here. And you can already kind of see the the like the them putting that together a little bit here. And it's like, okay, if you can get that kind of a system going where you can just keep where you just keep finding more and more guys through your AHL system, like who can just fill in for a year or two and then you let them go for like the big payday elsewhere. That's what you want. That's the kind of system that keeps your core going for as long as humanly possible. Yeah, pretty much. Um, All right. This is the big one, though. This was the big news from the other day. Um, I had plans, and then I had to delay my plans because I couldn't believe some of these coaching decisions. So, yes, if you did not know, Bradshaw, who was the team's generalist slash defensive coach last season, uh, took over the defensive side when Scott Walker, uh, yeah, Scott Walker or Scott Young, Scott Walker, Scott Walker, Scott yeah, Young Scott was Walker, this week as well. Right, Scott Walker. Man, they got these these hockey men need more unique names. Like it's just oh. it's just ridiculous. Oh, you we 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 we're entering the Caden era of the NHL right now. From, <laughs> every every coach Caden. Well, like any every NHL draft is full of, or like the Bantam draft for the dub is always like, oh, it's a bunch of different ways to spell Caden. Like it's just all <laughs> these like kids. Yeah. We're gonna get so many Cadens in the NHL. When we're, when we're like turning 70 or whatever, then like all those Cadens become coaches and they take over. So it's just like every single coach in the NHL like rhymes with Jaden or is yeah. Caden Jaden or like whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, anyway. The so Bradshaw was out. He is uh, moving to Philadelphia to be John Tortorella's assistant. They have experience together with Columbus, so that made sense. In his steed comes Mike Yo, who comes in as the new generalist assistant coach. Kind of funny because uh, Bruce Boudreaux replaced Mike Yo as coach of the Minnesota Wild when uh, oh, Yo was man. fired. So it's kind of like about that. That's really funny. funny. 
That's like now great. That, now that a bunch of Minnesota boys together again. Um, but the big surprise that I think caught a lot of people off guard was Trent Cull being promoted to assistant coach to run the defense and uh, penalty kill in place of Bradshaw slash Scott Walker. Um, bit surprising here. I'm not, I mean, it is surprising because I guess like he was never really given a look as a possible assistant coach while Travis Green was still the coach. Uh, they brought up Jason King to run the power play last season. He's the only real holdover from the Travis Green era is Travis or is uh, Jason King. So now it's like you have two of your former uh, Utica slash Abbotsford guys now uh, helping run the bench in the NHL. Bit interesting because as we know, Trent Cole's track record of developing prospects in the AHL wasn't great. You can blame a lot of that on, you know, whether that's, not enough good quality prospects or if or the AHL team was given enough uh, financial resources to develop players properly uh, internally. Apparently they had like a really small budget set aside for their AHL club. So it's not really a shock that like they were kind of just like left to their own devices to try and make it like a, a worthwhile organization. Uh, but obviously it was like a second thought to them, a third thought, really like they'd put zero thought into the AHL club over the past few years. Last year was the one time they did. And it was only because they had to, because it was local. So Trent Hall gets promoted, which you know, good for him. I'm like, he's been in like an assistant or a head coach in the AHL for like ever. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, he's finally there, which is good. Um, I, I kind of saw a lot of people like freaking out like, oh, this is such a disaster. And it's like the guy's actually like good at getting really good performances out of like players. Like he has like a track record of like veteran players coming into the AHL and having like career bests in terms of production. Um, same thing with the whole the, the farm not having like a good AHL budget. They've never really given Trent Cole like a mobile defense, but every time he's had mobile defenders on his blue line, they've had really good productive years. Or if if they have like any kind of like good offensive IQ, they get career years out of them. Brogan Rafferty had a 65 point year in his rookie season. Jack Rathbone had a career year where he was like fifth in uh, defenseman production for kids under 24 years old. Like, he gets a lot out of quite a little. It's just there wasn't much coming up the pipeline while he was a head coach, so he gets like a pretty bad rap. Some of it we can't talk about on this podcast, as you and I know. It's the old the, the tap in the nose thing. Can't can't really talk about it, but you and I know yeah. a few things about some players' developments going a little haywire. Um, but anyway, that's a that's one thing, and then. The new AHL hire, Jeremy Colleton, who yeah. was um, Chicago Blackhawks' former coach, came into the one of the shittier situations as a head coach when you're, what was he, 35 at the time when he was hired? 34, yeah. maybe? Like, he was and hired mid-season. Or was it mid-season, I think? I forget if it was mid-season, I think he was. but it was like either way it was to replace to replace the, like their Joel Quinville. Their like stud coach who led them through three cups, had been with that core for like over a decade. Like 
yeah, that's kind of tough to be like, hey, kid, you have no NHL head coach experience. You're going to have to deal with this core that has been together for fucking ever and tell them they're playing like shit. Like, yeah, good luck, dude. Are you kidding? A little, little bit of a throwing the lamb to the slaughter a little bit, you know, which is pretty on brand for the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Let's be real. It's no surprise that they kind of screwed over uh, uh, someone like Jeremy Carlton because they were didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Um, he had he had coached the Rockford Ice Hogs before moving up into the NHL, so he does have AHL head coaching experience. He also has a connection to Patrick Alvin through, I believe, Mora Ik of the Hockey Elsvenskin, because I believe, I think it was uh, Alvin had like as the director of European scouting, like had ties to Mora IK and kind of knew what their development program was like. And obviously remember what Colleton was capable of and coupled that with the AHL just kind of made sense. So big dramatic shift in Canucks coaching staff. And that doesn't even mention they lost their goalie coach too. Yeah. Curtis Sanford gets poached by the Toronto Maple Leafs to become their NHL goaltending coach. So we talked about this on our last uh, episode, the, the Canucks goalie pipelines, the one thing that's never really been a problem, uh, apparently coaching as well, because this is the second coach that the Toronto Maple Leafs have acquired directly from the Canucks to be on their main head of staff. First was Manny Malhotra, who was just an associate at the time with Vancouver to become a full-on bench coach uh, in Toronto as their defense guy. And now they got Curtis Sanford as their NHL goalie coach to work with Jack Campbell to, I guess, make him good, or maybe to make Petter Mazik uh, worth his contract again. Maybe that's the idea. They're going to salvage him using uh, Sanford, which would be pretty funny. But obviously, Sanford has like a good rep with the AHL club. He, um, I know Mike DiPietro, Seelovs, uh, and Spencer Martin, and Demko have all gotten plenty of work with him in the past, and they've all spoken very highly of him and his work ethic. So that's a, it's not a terrible loss because, again, it's just your AHL goalie coach. But, you know, sucks to find now if you're Ian Clark, you need someone that you – can to rely on and that believes in your system, which was the biggest, you know, bonus that people used to praise about Curtis Sanford while he was the AHL goalie coach is that he was an extension of yes. Ian Clark and what Ian Clark brought to the table. So it was like the easy transition for goalies to come up to the NHL because you knew exactly what was expected of you and how Ian Clark wanted you to play. Maybe Ian Clark's got other guys. Maybe he's got Eddie Lack in his back pocket. Maybe yeah. maybe Eddie Lack comes in as the AHL goalie coach. You never know. He was That'd tweeting be... the other day about coming back, wanting to come back to Vancouver. Yeah, that, so why not? If that happens, you can clip this and be like, "We called it." Yeah, we predicted this. Yeah. Um, we made it happen. Um, yeah, with with Sanford, that's the big the biggest loss is that extension of Ian Clark that he was and the coach mm-hmm. and that. But you know what? The nice thing about being in about having the AHL team at Abbotsford now is that it's going to be a lot easier to kind of find that extension again, because Ian Clark now can just drive down the road to work with the goalie coaches, with the goalie coaches on things as well. And with the, the net minder prospects when he gets the opportunity to. So it's like, it's not a, it's, it's, it can be that system can still work and they can still definitely find a guy to work with him there. 
so the the thing with the coaching hires is that I I'm I'm a I am a little concerned about just looking at the group in terms of like okay Trent Cull is a guy where it's like okay he has he's the head coaching experience like and you know whether or not the prospect de- development was necessarily the best in that regard especially like in terms of how many guys have graduated to the NHL from mm-hmm. there I do also go I I'm also like well okay in the NHL that won't be his job anymore so I'm it's gonna be. Yeah. The He's job that he was up to not worry about that anymore. Yeah. The job that he was good at in Utica was, or, and in Abbotsford was getting results out of the team that he had at his disposal. Mm-hmm. And that worked, that worked. Um, whereas where, and he, whereas the development didn't in the NHL, that's going to be his sole role is doing that. In fact, it's going to be even narrower than that. It'll just be focusing on what, he's on what part of coaching that he's works best at, which I guess is going to be defense for him. Yeah. Um, um, Mike Yo is an interesting one for me, just cause I'm like, I've seen the track records in like Philly and Minnesota. And I'm just kind of like, okay, well what's, what's this, what, what are you going to bring here? Like, what is like, what's gonna, is this just another, Oh, is this one of those guys where it's like, he's doing the thing they did lap with him in the, in the land Vigneault in Philly, where he's kind of just like, well, if if the if the head, current head coach uh, screws up at any point, you're in charge. Like, is that what this is? It, there it was, does. Doesn't it feel like they just got insurance everywhere? You know, a, like a if, little bit. If, if Bruce Boudreaux doesn't work out and the team plays like shit again, you have Mike Yo, you have uh, Jeremy Colton, and technically Trent Cole. Yeah, all like experienced head coaches, whether that's at the NHL or AHL level, ready to just like fill in basically should Bruce Boudreaux not stick around after this year or if he's even moved on from in the middle of this season. So it's like yeah it all if you're Bruce Boudreaux you're probably looking over your shoulder like ooh yeah a lot of a lot of guys coming after my job here. Yeah exactly and yeah I have I have my I have my questions I have my I have my concerns about Mike Yo but again he's just an assistant coach it's not a lot to lose sleep over at the end of the day I, I, yeah. I, I when you can see for I'd like to see the product on the ice first there Jeremy Colleton is the weirdest one to me just based on okay so first of all apparently I didn't realize this he was the Hawks head coach for four years did you know it was four years Cause that I was like, I could have sworn it was like a year and a half, but nope. It was a full four years. He was, he was the coach of the Hawks. You know, the interesting thing too is they fired him after like another dumpster year, but like they beat Edmonton in the bubble. Yeah. They beat Edmonton. Like they beat Edmonton in the bubble and then proceeded to crap the bed. Like, what was it? Like, Oh, and nine to start the year. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. So it's like, like sure he got like terrible results but like when like the games mattered like he he found a way to shut down the best player yeah in the nhl like come on that's like what you're supposed to do is like as much as we make fun of it like the get in and anything can happen like that's exactly what he did yeah it wasn't like who was in net for that team even i think it was like call i i wasn't was it Corey crawford uh, still i think it might have even been like colin delia or i was something. gonna say it's, it's probably colin delia or something like or something like malcolm like, suban still it might have been malcolm right, suban it it's an, like yeah and yeah so but like and but i will say but then i look at like some of the stuff that he did do there where it's like where like some of the things where it's like i think at one point 
I think I want to say I feel like at one point he had like Patrick Kane playing with like Ryan Carpenter or something. And it was like and like you could clearly see the team was not happy. And then if I remember, I think there was at one point like right before he got fired where he like I forget what he exactly said, but it was like there was something I remember. I feel like he said something in an interview or what have you that was like super like, oh, this is not a good look for your coach to be saying like. I think I know what you're talking about. He basically came out and was like, yeah, if my players actually cared about playing, like, like I would have better results. Like he's basically just like throwing it on them. Like they don't give a shit. Oh yeah. Something like that, which like whether or not that's true, it's like one of those, Oh, you should not say it. You don't (laughs) say that out loud. That's not going to make them like you more like, uh, yeah. And it definitely screamed as one of those cases where it was like, oh, the the veterans didn't were like, oh, okay, go sit at the kids table, buddy. We got this. And like basically started running their own bench, which which is a problem. Um what? yeah, but like so I have issues with that, but again, it's the age and granted it's the AHL where he's had some success. But I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I kind of hoped for the Abbotsford, for Abbotsford's next coach, if they were going to promote Trent Cole, which they did, that mm-hmm. they would go for somebody completely new. Because like, you know, because if you're going to have a guy developing in your, with that, with the, developing your players, I don't know. I'd kind of want to see somebody new come in who could potentially be a big part of your long-term future. I don't look at Jeremy Galton and go, oh, this guy's going to be the, the, the head coach for the, for the Abbotsford Canucks forever. And we're going to look at him in the same reverence as like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what a, like Roy Sommer for, was for like the San Jose farm team where he moved with them for like eight different cities, <laughs> like, and was the head coach the whole time. Like, I don't, I don't see that with him. So I'm a little bit, I'm interested to see how he manages a bench, uh, an AHL bench with, but again, with a younger group, maybe that won't be an issue. Yeah, maybe. Like I said, it's probably just all insurance kind of stuff, right? It makes sense. Um, all right. So now that we've kind of got over the the what they have done, let's kind of get into what we think they still need to do because the Canucks still have quite a few RFAs and UFAs at their disposal. Um, the main ones being Yuho Lamico and Matthew Highmore, who are just, I mean, pretty standard RFAs. You just qualify their current offer at 15% higher than what their old deals were. I think the total combined is like 1.9 million, which would be less than what they uh let or sorry less than the available cap space to them right now so it wouldn't be like a huge detriment if they did it um and then ufas like phil di giuseppe uh sheldon rempal alex chase on brad richardson and Braden sutter whether i mean if you were to bet how many of these guys do you think actually come back because i'm thinking like i'm thinking maybe four maybe wow max. i I honestly would be surprised if it was that high. Like, I think, oh, really? with re- yeah, like, well, like, I'm looking at like even like maybe two or three. Like, uh, I'm just I just like, I figure like Yoho Lamico and Matthew Highmore are kind of guaranteed, like, unless they were trying to monetize their signing rights by trading them somewhere else for someone younger. Cause I mean, we talked about this, I think, like ages ago, but like Matthew Highmore's numbers, like, away from Tyler Mott were like, just downright bad so it's like if the team saw that maybe they were like looks just like sell high if we possibly can but like i would bet those two sheldon rempal and probably mike di pietro would be coming back even though there are rumors right now that mike di pietro is likely going to be moved there was apparently interest uh from montreal uh yeah the montreal canadians 
So maybe they don't sign him, but they trade the signing rights to Montreal. I could see that happening too. Uh, I think Michael DiPietro would actually be really fun in Montreal. Like that would be fun. I don't know why. I just think that'd be like a good fit. Yeah, he doesn't that, really strike I, me as the type that fits well with Ian Clark's very like rigid, no no personality goaltending style. Like he's like doesn't like Thatcher Demko like selling out saves, and that's all Michael DiPietro does when he's on is selling saves and doing like highlight shit, like crazy windmill sit glove saves and diving like a madman to make like clutch moves. So it's like it would make sense if like he was like. Like if Ian Clark was just like this fucking kid, it's going to be the death of me with his personality. I keep telling him to trim those sideburns and he never does it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think GB. Yeah. I think DPHO is probably going to go. I think there's like, and I think it was talked about that they want to get him a fresh start kind of thing, which makes a lot of sense for a goaltender who's been through wasted. (laughs) Yeah. Wasted is the great question is the great, uh, way of putting it uh goaltender who for had it not been for you know the way that they handled the 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 uh pandemic season shortened season uh mm-hmm. they might he might have been a big part of the long-term future but they kind of they not kind of they completely torched his trajectory based on that and yeah if you're a goaltender if you're if you're a goalie there's only so many jobs in the nhl like yeah. I don't I wouldn't really want to stay in that situation either. And it's not like it's not this current management team's fault that that happened, but like like it but is like, what it is. When, yeah, when the when the well is soured, right? It's kind of hard to like, you know, fix it, especially when yeah. it's like a brand new group who doesn't know what you really went through because all you can say is, yeah, like Mikey, we we trust you, we believe in you, like we're going to do whatever we can to keep you, but like at the end of the day if the guy's like, sorry dude, like I I just don't want to be here anymore. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and there's already lots of goaltender, and you, like you can see the future, like like uh, set up as it is, where it's going to be like, okay, Demko's the starter for the next foreseeable future, um, so that job's not available to you. And even if it mm-hmm. were, Arter Silovs is already kind of coming up the rear here as kind of the guy who that would probably be going to if there was a like a a succession plan in place, sort of thing, right? So like yeah. you're already kind of seeing your role completely diminished in that in that front. So it makes a lot more sense for you to go to a, uh, a city that or a market that has more open spots ready for a goaltender that's maybe like closer to the cusp than say you know than than they have right now. Hmm. Um. Other than that, though, we get some draft talk because we are obviously getting a lot of rumors right now that. I mean, just tonight we're reading like, uh, who is it? Elliot Friedman saying like, you know, or who is it? John Shannon saying that the second overall could be in play from New Jersey. If, uh, if, uh, if they were going to trade for uh, uh, JT Miller, like, so that's what he's hearing. There's been a few things like that. Yeah. Where it's like, oh my God. Like it's all all like speculation. There's nothing like concrete. It's just like, it's just like these media guys who like hear things. They're like, yeah, the second overall, I've heard uh, everyone's willing to trade down. I've also heard that Jesper Bratt's name is out there. Well, I don't know. Maybe that gets traded for Miller. Like, th- there's nothing behind it. It's just, it's like just naming hockey names and having there, a great time. <laughs> yes. I mean, even since – I will say, though, like, even since we started recording this show, there have been more and more quotes about 
from about JT Miller specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think Sat I think Satyar Shaw said on Canuck Central today about how it's were how we should have like an idea. We should have like more almost like a hundred percent like clarity on where they plan on going with JT Miller within the next day or so. Ooh. Which which makes a lot of sense because Miller is like Miller is very easily presents the guy who has the most immediate trade value out of this group. And I like, as far as whether he's staying or going, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a foregone conclusion. He's gone. I don't see him coming. I don't see him coming back. I was not convinced until Elliot Friedman changed positions and was like, yeah, uh, the Canucks are realizing it's too difficult to sign an extension. And it's all, all signs are pointing towards Miller moving on. Like, Elliot Friedman's usually pretty neutral and doesn't really like to speak in the affirmatives. Like something is set unless yeah. his Intel is good. And so if his Intel is saying the Canucks don't think an extension's going to work and he's going to move, you best believe he's going to move. It's just a matter yeah. of when, like if it's going to happen at the draft, definitely could see that happen. Could also see it like just like not happening at all. And it happens maybe towards, you know, the beginning of the season. But I bet if you're JT Miller, you're probably like, look, I've got two young kids. Uh, if you're going to trade me, please do it like in July or August before school season starts, because that's a huge pain in the ass. So yes. there is some kind of incentive to get uh, stuff done like as soon as possible. Yeah, it'd be really spicy. I mean, the first the oh, first God, live yeah. in. So this is the crazy thing. The last in-person draft was 2019 when the Canucks had a first round pick and then traded one for JT Miller. That was, so oh yeah, that, imagine, I was there. I was in the building for that. That was fun. Now, imagine this, the next in-person draft, the first one in two years, and it kicks off with you have a trade to announce and it's JT Miller once again being traded for a first round pick. That would be some elite tier levels of spice yes t like the oh, t yeah. as i say that was a like so yeah because that happened on day two of the draft and it happened like right at the beginning of like round two i want to say when i was there for on my like ten dollar ticket to get in for that <laughs> second day because the second day is way more boring than the first day yeah um and it was like and like people around me are like oh my god they trade who's jt miller i'm like oh he's pretty good actually like that's <laughs> might be that's a good that's actually a pretty good like look for the canucks that they got jt miller um but yeah like uh, yeah so the quote from Freege is uh, from his 31 thoughts article yesterday is whether it's the Rangers or Washington or someone else, the Canucks will aim higher than Minnesota's return for Kevin Fiala and should get it for JT Miller. It's going to be too hard to get an extension done. The Canucks could surprise us. The Tyler Myers rumors have been there forever. They've got a price they want paid to consider it, but a few teams have suggested they might do something we haven't thought of yet, which that's a, that's a whole lot of information. Just that's like, a- that's, that's almost just like Duncan. That's tea. just like Elliot Friedman being like Canucks fans. Duncan, go nuts! Here You're you gonna go. have a fun week. Here's it's a gonna bunch be a fun of week. random crap. You yeah. have fun dissecting yeah. this. Which, like, in a way, it is one of those things where it's like, oh man, like they're probably won't, like it'll probably be much. Knowing the NHL, it'll probably be much more underwhelming than that. It'll probably be like one trade, like which will still be big regardless of what they do. But if they got all like all of that put together to get that to get some different deals done to like completely mm-hmm. reshape the way the Canucks go into the season, like 
holy crap, like what a what a week. What a week to be covering the Canucks for a living, right? Like, oh man, there's some good stuff here. Like I, M- Miller is, yeah, like there's so much trade value there that it does seem like, okay, if it's going to get done, you're, bet, you're going to get it done before the draft, before anything, because and get recoup either a, fr- a first round pick this year uh, or a, or even a second and try and get a prospect or two out of another team because mm-hmm. like, and we'll talk about Kevin Fiala in a, in a bit here, but like, yeah, the, there is clearly the market value is there for a guy who scored 99 points last year in a yeah. non-contract year. Like that's, there's clear that the market is never going to be higher for JT Miller and based on where your window is at for where you're going to be competitive, it doesn't line up for you to try and get that extension done. So you are much better off making the deal now, getting some really good assets back for him and seeing what you can do at the draft with those. Like that's the kind of, that's the way they should be looking at this. And I think it's going to get done. Yeah. It's kind of all, all signs are pointing to yes, which would be good because the draft needs spice and, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan for that. Uh, Canucks right now only have six picks. Uh, they're still missing their second, which was traded away in the OEL Garland trade. Uh, they've kind of hinted that they do want to acquire a second round pick for this draft um, in so many words. Maybe that's kind of what they're after is a first and a second, or maybe maybe it doesn't even include a first. It just includes a second and then like a future first. Like, not necessarily one for this draft. Like, could be happening. It's going to be spicy, though. I'm excited. But yeah, why don't we get into some NHL news? Because there was some other spice going on, which we were kind of laughing about uh, before we started recording. But then, uh, as we always tend to do, we say, why are we doing this for free? We should be recording what we're talking about. So the only real trade that's actually happened of significance uh, since uh, Colorado beat uh, Tampa to win the cup. Uh, There's two. There's two. I think there's two. Oh yeah, well the Kel- the Kevin Fiala one, sure that one happened. This like, one's bigger. I think. Yeah, I, I think that would happen only right. like on Sunday. Yeah, I think that happened. All- if I remember correctly, I think that happened on like Friday or something. Yeah, like, right- I think so. Yeah, yeah, uh, like but, right but before that, the weekend. Yeah, that one we don't have much to talk about because the other thing that's like funny about that trade is um, like F- like L.A. is a team that won a cup, rebuilt, returned to playoffs, and is now reloading to for future playoff runs with a very young core in like a fraction of the time that the Canucks have taken to do whatever it is the fuck that they're doing <laughs> real cool uh, uh yeah big fan it's of that. great it's um, great but we're, cool. we're not gonna talk about that because we talk about the LA Kings quite a bit because I'm a big fan of their organization so we're gonna go with the other major trade of the day which was Brian McDonough who waived his no trade clause to go to Nashville in exchange for Philippe Myers and Grant Mismash, which is not a made up player. That's his last name. Miss mash. Um, incredible, incredible, incredible name. So this one's a bit spicy because apparently what happened was the Tampa Bay lightning told Ryan McDonough, you can waive your trade clause and we can send you to Nashville or if you don't wish to, we are going to put you on waivers to start the season so we can get your, um, so you'll be like claimed for free by whoever wants you. And we know that Columbus is going to want you. And so McDonough wanting some agency in his trade 
uh, or in his destination, uh, opted to wave for Nashville because he didn't want to go to Columbus. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, once again, find a way to get out of their cap commitments for no cost whatsoever. Yeah, they got paid to get rid of to get rid of Ryan McDonough. Every year Which, they pull it yeah. off. It's mm. absolutely ridiculous. Now, uh, we, sh- we should preface this by saying that, okay, like even paid might be a strong word for what they actually got in return because I guess Grant Mismash is not supposed to necessarily translate to any sort of NHL player. He's really just going to be an, an, an AHL guy. Uh, and then Philippe Myers is supposedly like... Like it well, like I remember last year somebody who made the joke that when the Canucks and the Predators played, how funny it was that there were two, two Myers. Myers on the ice that were both very much not fan favorites in terms yeah, of very what they bring very to. big, and that's about it. Yeah, like yeah, they both have very similar striking issues in their game mm-hmm. and holes in their game. And my but like, oh my god. So uh Friedman Elliot Friedman tweeted out about the Philippe Myers. So on he tweeted on Philippe Myers acquired by Tampa Bay in the McDonough tra- deal. He's a unique contract case. If bought out, the Lightning will have a $671,000 credit next season and then oh 733k the next year. So, in other words, yeah. not only they could buy this guy out right now and somehow end up with extra money with extra money like like which, on top of the cap space they were they'd be getting by buying him out which is pretty cool and it would be awesome if they actually did do that but apparently they're actually interested in him the player which and, which is and, like par for the course for tampa they just like find random guys to be like credible defensemen for them like yan oh, ruda yeah. zach bogosian who like basically was like nothing by the time they got him uh kevin shattenkirk like they basically just like pair these guys with victor hedman or sergachev or cernak and they're like all right you're gonna be good now and that's how it works and maybe they like, can repeat- oh, i guess you're right <laughs> yeah maybe they can repeat that with myers i don't know maybe this is them flying a little too close to the sun with what their defenders are capable of ryan mcdonough was apparently very well liked in that locker room so you couple that with uh, a cup finals loss. Um, maybe this is the start of the end, or this is the start of a new beginning where the cannot or the lightning are almost at the point where they're able to toll daily cap space, which is terrifying because look at what they've been able to do with no cap space in LTIR <laughs> yeah. and getting these people, these other GMs to take on their bad contracts for nothing and in some cases, paying the Lightning to take players off of their hands, now they're going to have the ability to enter the uh, trade deadline date with excess cap to sign whoever the fuck they want. That's terrifying. It's exciting because I, for one, want to see what they can creatively come up with because they've been very good at doing it so far. So this will be very interesting to see what they can do with that kind of cap space. Um, Yeah. It's, but yeah, yeah, it's the, just like it's Tampa's like they, it's just Tampa running show, which is it's insane, so great. Um, yeah, this does beg the question though: what the fuck is Nashville doing? This is why yeah, we started what are recording. They doing? So we were like, yeah. we were trying to figure it out. We we're like, okay, they traded Ryan Ellis for Philippe Myers and um, like someone else, like a cap dump, basically. Was it not for like some who's, reason? Who is the third? Like it was a three-way deal, if I remember correctly. It was the deal. I think that uh, did they get Cody? No, no, Glass? right. 
Ryan Ellis. Oh yeah, well yeah, they were they Ryan were Ellis separate. Not, they were separate deals, but it was not a three way tr- trade. It was, it was Philly Philly grabbing Ellis, and they gave yes. up Philippe Myers and Nolan Patrick. And then in a separate trade, they traded to Patrick. Vegas Nolan Patrick for Cody Glass, who okay. recently signed a one year two way deal. So could you imagine the Canucks if they had drafted Glass over Elias Pettersson? I, I try not to. I try not to because those would did... be the real dark days. But anyway, that... we're we're trying to figure it out because like trading Brian Ellis, uh, trading Victor Arvidsson, like those two moves kind of back to back in the same offseason kind of signified like a like, OK, we're tearing it down. We we need to start looking towards a rebuild. Uh, Philip Forsberg's a UFA and likely isn't going to resign in Nashville because like they don't have the cap necessarily to make it work. And then they trade Philippe Myers, who they just acquired for Ryan Ellis for a much, much older defenseman in Ryan McDonough at a much higher cap cap hit. Like it doesn't make any sense. They basically worsened themselves off cap wise for an older player playing a like a less valuable side. Like Ryan Ellis was a right shot defenseman and he yeah. was really good. Yeah. And he and was, he was like, loved by the locker room. So it's like, you just like cratered your, your locker room so that you yeah. could get older. Yeah. It career, like career predator and like, yeah. And like, and putting aside that he had an, uh, a t- like a rough year in Philadelphia with injury issues and other things, um like yeah ryan ellis is a big part of their locker room for ages and now you're mm-hmm. like and mcdonough's probably going to be liked in this locker room too it's just a matter of like again like okay yeah you you literally were just in the middle of rebuilding like last year and your only reason you're here now is because you see you say soros had a arguably like a, a heart caliber year for you and yeah. got in like roman yossi too roman yossi as well like they just stood on their heads the entire time, got you there, and then as soon as your goaltender got hurt in the last week of the season, you got absolutely like, like the absolute shit kicked out of you by the Colorado Avalanche in the first yeah. round. Like That's the thing, it's like you you trade for McDonough after getting absolutely hemorrhaged. Like, wouldn't that be the sign? Like, yeah, like, hey, with my current group, I think we need to rebuild entirely, and now's yeah. the perfect time to do it. Now that Forsberg is going to resign elsewhere, but like. Yeah. I don't and know I how get, you could be like, you know what, you know what I needed to defeat Edmonton and not get swept in four games? A 33-year-old defenseman. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, this doesn't, what does this solve for you? Like, your problem wasn't, yeah, like, there's, yeah, like, because, yeah, you got some interesting pieces at forward, like Tanner Janot, you've got uh, Eli Tolvanen, who's going to be pretty decent for you for a few, for the years leading up. But you've also got a bunch of issues where it's like, okay, well, uh, we're paying Matt Duchesne eight million dollars for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Um, we we we're paying Matthias Ekholm basically the same price that we're paying, more like a five hundred thousand dollar difference to that we're paying for McDonough to also be a left defenseman. So yeah. okay, so now you've got a very old group. Literally, all your defensemen on the left side uh, are either thirty two or thirty three. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. and what else do you have? Well, we got Dante Fabro sure uh jeremy lozon who is signed a pair oh, yeah, who was who was signed, signed to a terrible contract so yeah, yeah speaking of like like just four like, what... years 
four like, what years. direction are they going in? Because it's like all these deals seem to be like, like they they admitted they needed to rebuild and then they changed their minds when they like were presented with a good player. Yeah. So the only the only possible scenario I can think of here, and this is a little bit, this is there's layers to this a little bit, but like um it came out, I think like a few months like a month ago that the predators were being sold to a new owner. And That's the right. only the only thought process I have here is that they're going, well, we can't sell. We're we're gonna have a harder time selling a team that's tearing it down full rebuild, about to go in bottom out for dead last in the NHL to try and uh turn back into a powerhouse again. Uh it's gonna be a lot harder for us to get the value we want out of that particular team. So they need to be at least like competitive, like they need to be at least show the idea of competitive hockey. So mm-hmm. that's my only thought here is like, maybe it, this is management going, well, okay, we need you to like going to like David Poyle and going, Hey, we need you to make the team look at least semi-decent so that we get our full value yeah. for them. When we sell we need, we need people to buy in and make us some of our investment back immediately. Yeah, exactly. Cause they're, you're We're, not going to do that if the team's not selling tickets, like no one's yeah. going to pay you the full price, no matter how many years of good management the predators of like we'll say okay like hockey hockey things aside they've done a very good job at marketing themselves in that area compared to where they used to be like what a decade ago they were almost in bankruptcy and Mm. now they're like now they're like one of the like uh considered like one of the best cities to go see a hockey game like yeah they went from bankruptcy to like a cup run where they basically had salvaged the organization by building like a credible fan base that was actually like invested in their cup run and stuck around quite a bit so i can understand if if you're the new owners and you're like well i know when this team was bad they were near bankrupt so i can't be buying a team and then immediately be losing on my investment the first year so you need to make it competitive which yeah that's their prerogative as ownership but like from an outsider's perspective you're looking at david poyle's decision making on who he wants to keep and wants to give up and you're like yeah You're not only looking at that, you're also looking at the fact that he's been the only GM for the last (laughs) 25 years. It was, it was his 25 year anniversary the other day. Was it really? It's really, Oh my God. Yeah. 25 years as GM, which like I, Hey, for a league that has as much turnover as the NHL does (laughs) sometimes to a degree, that's almost a little bit too much. You're like, good for you. Good for you for sticking around that long. (laughs) But also everybody in management has a shelf life. You can't, yeah eventually your ideas are not going to be top of the line gene or uh like genius moves anymore eventually you're going to run out of as they say uh everyone everyone eventually loses their their hardball or their fastball like it's so it's about like what happens right yeah can you can you turn into a curveball or like a a sinker thrower essentially yeah exactly and for david poyle's sake like it took him 20 three years or sorry not 25 with 25 uh, it took him 18 years to get a get to a cup final with yeah. nashville and it, in the years took... since not much not much they had one they had the, they did win that pre- the president's trophy that one year but that that's it like that's really it like it's it's so it's so it's such a mixed bag and like yeah and not even like forget like even that like remember when the canucks met them in the playoffs in 2011 uh for the in the second round that was their first coming off the heels of their first playoff series win like that was the first time they won a series yeah. 
Like, and that was again, what by that point that had been 15 years in. To t- yeah. It, it was a long time. And I don't, I don't think they've actually won a round since their cup run. I think they won one the first year. I think because they won the, or the oh, first that's year. Right. You know what? Because in the second round, they Winnipeg lost to Winnipeg. That's right. You know, Win- yeah. yeah. Winnipeg beat them in round two, two in round think, two. Yeah. And Pecorine was just abysmal. Yeah. Uh, in that series but yeah i think since then you're right i don't think they've won one again since like yeah yeah it's been a bit of bad news for them okay good so, uniforms though <laughs> okay good good yellow jerseys you know more yellow, yellow the better jerseys. um all right coaching news that is not canucks related uh first things first uh <laughs> the winnipeg jets go from possibly signing barry trotz to rick bonus uh the fan base was rightfully <laughs> Not very happy with the signing. Rick Bonus seems like a delightful fella, but a good hockey coach he is not. Uh, he's well, okay. Well, okay. He's an you know what? Like, okay. He's not he a strategist. Did... He's not a strategist. He's just like a good. Mo- he's a good motivator, I guess. He's a good assistant coach, but like, you know, I just don't think you'd trust him to be like your, like your guy for a team that clearly needs like direction like the Winnipeg Jets do like Paul Maurice on his way out was like, I, there's nothing else I can tell these guys to get them to play, get their shit together. Yeah. I don't know if Rick bonus is the type of guy that's going to somehow pick up where he left off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you were a big Jets follower for quite a while there. We've almost haven't actually talked about the Jets enough on this show in recent weeks because of how it's because it's it's wild thing. Yeah. It's very painful. Um, like, yeah, the thing with like, yeah, the thing that I find most interesting with Rick bonus is that he's not really any different from Paul Maurice, as far as a coach's like coaching style is concerned. Like, so I'm kind of like, how is this any, like, there's no, you're not even necessarily taking a step back. You're just kind of doing the same thing. You're just doing the same thing, right? Like you're just, you're just sidestepping like over and over, which like, I mean, yeah. Like we're talk- I think we we're talking about the last episode. Shevel Dayoff's entire tenure as Jets is coach. It's Jets GM. Yeah, is just it, it's kind of doing. It's there. just sideways motions to try and build a contender. Like you can only do so much. But for them, it's always been we need to build through the draft because guys don't want to play here. Like Pierre Luc Dubois apparently is telling them straight up, like, yeah, I'm out as soon as I'm a free agent. So it's like they just have all these things working against them, which sucks. So it's like it, I'm sure they were wanting Barry Trotz, like legitimately but it was like okay we can't get him like who's literally next on the option like yeah and it seemed like rick the funniest thing about all this too is it seemed like rick bonus was almost like was like planning to retire or like was done with coaching after this like all the signs seemed to point to him like what the stars being done with him was like that this was going to be it for him for at least a while so it's one of those are, are you sure you really want a head coach who's kind of seemed like, like he was over it yeah who kind of <laughs> yeah. seemed like he was over it in the last job like is that really the direction you want to go here if you're winnipeg like again they're not close to competing uh in terms of what they are they're they have connor hellebuck and uh that's about it and like there's not really like there's a couple good pieces there like with mark shifley and like dubois but again how much longer do you have with those guys so it's like mm-hmm. well all right i guess whatever you want i guess it's one of those like well you're just kind of buying time i guess yeah until someone else like comes up that's willing to work there um besides that uh paul marie speaking of was hired by the florida panthers i i don't know why they didn't just stick with yeah the guy 
But oh, like, God. so yeah. speaking of like, speaking of like weird team directions, Nashville, not sure what they're doing. Florida, after winning their first round ever, and then you know getting tuned by a team that is legitimately very good to then over like they overhauled their entire coaching staff like all their assistants were gone too like again like i don't know if you can blame i mean andrew Burnett wasn't great during the tampa series but it was yeah kind he was of clearly like, out coached like there's no doubt about that yeah but it was just kind of like would would paul maurice have fared better with that same group against tampa like i i doubt it no Tampa yeah, was yeah. on one like that's they went to the finals like you can't i don't know how your takeaway from this would be like yeah andrew burnett isn't the guy moving forward yeah yeah so tampa like, not only was tampa on one pan, the panthers went almost comically ice cold to the point where it's like okay i don't see them doing that again like that's it's yeah. one of those like their power their power play was so bad that it's like okay well i don't I don't think it's possible for you to be this bad again. Mm-hmm. This is clearly this is some this is some serious of your life, some serious PDO luck not in their favor. Where it's like, yeah, yeah your your power play was like one percent over fourteen playoff games or whatever. It's like that's yeah. that's fucking hard to pull off, and that's like, a bad luck. Yeah, it's the snowball effect of them doing things where it's like, okay, you can see that after it started going bad for them, they started completely getting the yips and going for like, and like making uncharacteristic decisions. Like there was like, what was it? Like people kept being like, hey, why isn't Barkov passing the puck to Huberdo on the yeah. power play? Because they were that worried about it and it, they yeah. got in their heads. And like, yeah, maybe a better coach, maybe a more, a better coach in the motivational department fixes that to his to an extent but yeah i don't see any andrew burnett literally took a team that lost their like that well i shouldn't say lost like their coach got rightfully let go for being amidst a a troubling investigation yeah amidst so it was completely warranted but like yeah it could have been a lot worse with the transition to a new coach yeah and like would any of us had really faulted Florida if they had completely bottomed out this year based on that turmoil alone? Like, okay. No. Like, yeah, like we would have been like, yeah, you guys completely went into a season thinking you had it all put together from to an extent, only to have the like a sudden have to suddenly fire your coach midway, midway mm-hmm. through, not even midway through, like a season in, like a month in. And then Andrew Burnett took that team and made them a president's trophy winner for the first time in their franchise's history. Like yeah. In what universe do you not at least can you not go? Well, we're we're well, we can give you a second chance here on yeah. this. That's sweet. Yeah, after you'll suite. learn from like, this, like play, like like the the logic from like ownership groups, like we expect our group to take us another step next year. It's like, well, wouldn't your coach also be extended that rope given it's his first year behind the bench? Yeah, like I don't know, it's, I, dumb, it's really goofy. Like, that's all. Is, Paul Maurice, the problems the Panthers had last year, Paul Maurice is not, I don't think anyway, is going to solve any of those. He's a defensive no. coach on a team that was actually decent defensively. Like, okay, sure. What, I guess you'll be fine. Like, you'll be like, whatever. Sergei Bobrovsky uh, you're, 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 is not going to necessarily be exactly the same goaltender he was last year, which is also famous for Paul Maurice teams. I don't know if you've ever seen his history. He has a very, up until like Connor Hellebuck, he had a, a like, a you know, long history um, of running into the worst luck when it came to goalies and always having the worst goaltending by no through no fault of his own. Like yeah. h- having to coach a Vesa Toscala 
Toronto Maple Leafs team. Well, even like in in his first, like, you know, four years of Winnipeg, it was like, okay, Andre Andre Pavlik is your guy. And Andre Pavlik was never meant to be like a stud. He was like, like in the Halak vein where it's like, he'll be a perfectly fine backup. You just he might get hot for you. Yeah, he might. Nine, 10, but like, like you can't it. run the wheels off of him. But like that's yeah. was their only guy that they ever had. So it was like, oh, you guys just don't have any luck on your side. Yeah. Um, all right, last coaching thing. Uh, yeah. Jim Montgomery hired as the Bruins head coach because they fired Bruce Cassidy, who went to He's now the Knights Vegas. coach. Yeah. Big old coaching carousel thing. Uh, Yeah, I don't have much to say on Jim Montgomery, really, because, like, I think he left. I remember he left Dallas under a bit of, like, mystery almost, but it was, like, and it turned out later. It was, like, for, like, uh, I believe there was, like, uh, I believe it was a bit of an alcohol issue Yes, when he was with them. Yes, which he has since gotten help for, which is great. Yeah, good for him. Um, I remember him being like actually like a pretty good coach with Dallas, even though it was really short lived. Yes. So like, he wasn't particularly bad at his job by any stretch. No, if I remember correctly. No, I remember the, blowing you I remember away, the, but yeah, I remember the vibe at the time was just kind of like, Oh, it's, it's a shame he got fired because of whatever issues he was having, because he was like for a first year coach in the NHL with like no AHL experience. Like he went from the NCAA straight to the NHL. Like that's like, he's showing really well with his team. And so I was kind of like, uh, Oh, this is a big bummer for them. But Good pickup from Boston, I guess, um, especially considering the weirdness of the fight of Bruce Cassidy's firing. So to pick up like a, you know, decent enough coach, like who kind of salvaged his time with St. Louis under uh, Craig Berube. Yeah. Good, yeah. good, good pickup for them. One of the least dumb coaching decisions of this offseason, but there will be plenty more. I'm certain over the coming weeks and months. Um Otherwise, I think that probably wraps it up for this episode of the Creasecast. We've got a lot under our belt, and we're going to sign out before JT Miller gets traded to Carolina for Martin Nakash and a bunch of other stuff. So, as always, folks, I am Cody Sievertson. You can follow my work at Cody Sievertson on Twitter and Canucks Army. I just posted my report cards for the defensive group of the Abbotsford Canucks, so go check that out. Uh, Lachlan, yeah, where can they good. find you? Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lachlan the Grease. You can also find my writing work at uh, Canucks Army. I'm sure I'll be doing a lot this week. It's draft week, so uh, <laughs> I'll be. I'm sure I'll be. I'm sure I'll be doing a lot this week for on draft coverage and stuff. Uh, hey, whatever pays the bills, baby. Whatever pays the bills. On talking about JT Miller. Well, we have we have plenty to go over this week. I'm sure and next week as well. So uh, yeah, check that there. Uh, Jamie's Jamie's not here today, uh, but. You can find her on Twitter at uh, uh, at underscore Jamie K. Lowe, uh on Twitter. Uh, she'll I, be back, I believe, maybe maybe for... Uh, I love that the running show. gag for our show is whenever we get to her tag when she's not here, we just have no idea what it is. We're like, uh, it's... Because uh, you know what it is? It's Jamie that, something. Well, you and I have... seven accounts, too, that we know of, right? So we always yeah. have to like, think of which one we're plugging. She, she, uh, people don't know this. She's actually, uh, t- at Taj 1940. Yeah, yeah. Not, that's something we learned well, we, ourselves. We, well, oh, did I say we, that on cam- on we, recording? It's because oh, no. we split the account. We that's share. right. That's true. That I forgot. Every, yeah. everybody in Vancouver has the login. Everybody, everybody on Canucks Twitter gets the uh, login and they get to post whatever they want once a day. Yeah. 
That's yes, how it works. Exactly. That's that how the system how works. works. And um, otherwise, folks, uh, we'll catch you on our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash creasecast. If you feel like throwing some money our way to support what we're doing here, uh, that's patreon.com slash creasecast with $1 and $5 tier. Much appreciated to those that still subscribe to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, you're going to be supporting us through the offseason. We appreciate that too. So hope, look, stay tuned for more content from us. And we'll catch you next time, next Monday after the draft or maybe perhaps emergency episode, depending on what happens with JT Miller this week. Till yeah. then, folks, we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.